Welcome back to Talk Talk. This is Emily Osan, and I'm here with Adam Walker from Theatre, Theatre Teacher. Hello. Welcome. Yay. Thank you for inviting me on. Yay, it's so exciting. Okay, so here we're on our second question, which is, are some types of knowledge more useful than others? And I think it's an interesting question because it has a yes-no answer, which maybe we can come to at the end. But it's perhaps helpful for us to start by thinking about what does it mean for knowledge to be useful? Well, uh, knowledge is useful, obviously. Without knowledge, we don't know anything. And knowing things is how we can inform ourselves to actions and make things different in the world. And before we got on, you said, obviously, people will think about sciences. And I never really considered that, to be honest. I, all of my truth and all of my knowledge comes from theatre. Right. Uh, and I, I am maybe ignorant to, to other, other forms of knowledge sometimes. You know, I know we're in a building and engineers have made this happen. And I have wonder at that. I'm fascinated <laughs> by lampposts. <laughs> Never seen a lamppost factory. But there's billions of them. There's probably more lampposts than there are Right? People. There's all that yeah. knowledge that we yeah. have no awareness yeah. of. Like, how, do how you, did it get there? How do you Who get, did this? And there's that, um, the, actually making a pencil, like, from, from, from scratch would take hundreds and hundreds of different, you know, sourcing the graphite, getting the mines, getting the wood, getting yeah. the paint, all of these different things. There's a, a, an academic article on the economics of creating a pencil. Yeah. It's fascinating. Um, so, yeah, so knowledge obviously is important to me in my daily life, but I'm perhaps not as aware of the mathematical, the scientific, um, because I lean more towards the yeah. and the arts. Um, and I, I, I think I have more wonder in my ignorance at, at real knowledge well which is a difficult time that's a difficult <laughs> yeah real knowledge it's funny because you say that and I do think that is a stereotype about knowledge in different areas that I think when you ask most people this question are some types of knowledge more useful than others and I was to say do you think art is more useful than uh, science. I think especially students will lean more towards knowledge and sciences is more useful. It has more utility. Particularly you have like things like vaccines and you mentioned engineering and building things. These are all really practical and tangible things that get made because of the knowledge developed in those areas. Whereas knowledge in the arts tends to be a little bit less tangible. So what you said about real knowledge well, I mean, obviously, that's not a real thing, real knowledge. Any kind of knowledge is real. But that kind of stereotype about knowledge in the arts is quite common. So what do you think it means for knowledge to be useful in the arts? Like, what, is, what does that look like? How is knowledge useful? Knowledge is extremely useful in the arts. And I'll, I'll just go back to that idea of vaccines and, and, and buildings. And I think, you know, knowledge in the sciences and knowledge in the arts, they hold each other's hand. Because they mm. need to be, you know, you need to convince people of vaccine safety. Mm. How do you do that? You engage with people. Mm. And you, you engage with people in, you know, public speaking, in advertising, in adverts, all of these things. They hold each other's hands. You don't just build a building for its utility. You build it for its, yeah. you know, its aesthetic value as well. Yeah. So I think, you know, the knowledge to build a building takes a whole team of people. Uh, and I think that, you know, not, I know we want to come to a, maybe a yes-no answer, but I think that they hold each other's hand, and I quite like that idea. So knowledge in the arts, to me, it stands as uh, truth. Um, you know, there's a famous Oscar Wilde quote that is, uh, if you want to tell people the truth, 
make them laugh, otherwise they'll kill you. And I think that that's a really nice way of the arts kind of, you know, making things lighter. You know, wow. the, the, yeah. the universal truths that we have to deal with are soul-crushing and you can go back to the Greeks and the yeah. Socratic kind of deal and, and, you know, the idea of truth being so important to knowledge. Um, but the difficulty in the word truth because mm. there are so many different truths that we have. You know, I speak to my truth as Adam Walker you know, yeah. you speak to yours as you, uh, and it's and it's a different truth that we have. But I think, and there's research that says this: when you gather people together in a space such as a theatre, uh, Kay Tempest writes beautifully about it, uh, and she she quotes a scientific study that they measured the heart rate of people in a theatre, mm. and they regulated their heartbeats in the space as they went through the experiences. Mm. So we have this, you know, this ability as human beings to kind of connect and make these connections and watch truths that kind of unify us and I think that that's the function of art in in you know in galleries in mm. theaters in concert halls um, and I think that that's a really important collaboration that humans have and it's a really intense kind of knowledge that we gain together and I think that you know you can arrive at your scientific knowledge you can arrive at your mathematical knowledge on your independent journey and you can kind of celebrate when you kind of get something together but I think there's nothing more truthful than the knowledge that you find through a shared experience mm. and I think that that's at the heart of what we have in theatre I think it is true for all of the arts mm. um, I mean you're talking about one of the purposes of the arts which is that shared experience and also going back to the wild quote as a way of um, dealing with reality in a more kinder way. Mm. Um, and I think I, there's a lot of power behind that. Obviously, we have... <laughs> Thank you, Siri. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure I understand either. Well, exactly. <laughs> Siri, focus. She's always got yeah. something to say. So, what was I saying? Just about um, the purposes, right? So, one of the purposes that you're talking about is the... Um, power of art to help us deal with difficult things and difficult truths and convey that. And there's a lot of power behind that. Governments, too, see that. Um, companies see that. They use it for propaganda and advertising in the same way. Um, it's, it's interesting. And, and, you know, when you asked me to come on and talk about this, I was thinking, you know, what, what knowledge is in the theatre? And there's been a sea change in, in theatre, in modern theatre. You know, back in um, the, the ancient Greek times, it was the function, the, the moral responsibility of the audience to go to the theatre, to watch, yeah. to be morally civilised through right. the cathartic experience. And those were hours and hours, oh, days, oh, days, right? Days, days. Dionysian festival would go on for days. Oh gosh. And you would watch, you know, a comedy, a tragedy and a satire. I suppose we have, it. like, Netflix now. <laughs> yeah, Netflix binge is kind of the same. <laughs> have um, you watched your eight hours? <laughs> <laughs> but they will be festivals and celebrations of, of culture. But as I say, it's that knowledge that is shown to the masses mm. that educates, that teaches them through yeah. that cathartic experience of, of watching, you know, watching Antigone die. Yeah. You learn that you should not, uh, or you should be a, a functioning member of the state, or you should stand up to the state, or, mm. you know, you shouldn't 
it's all these different types of knowledge. Yeah. And that comes through all, you know, into, into some modern theatre when you've got, like, Stanislavski and telling the truth of the character on stage. And there's all sorts of... Stanislavski is a theatre theorist who talks uh, in one of his books by Jean Beneditti, talks about uh, putting chocolate on his face so he could play Othello because he was trying to find the truth of playing Othello and that was the truth that he was looking for. Then you move through into kind of what we call kitchen sink drama in the 1960s, 70s and it was representing reality on stage like you know, real people, real ways of speaking into postmodern kind of in-your-face theatre, really abstract and bizarre, and, you know, timelines are all over the place here. But what we're moving into at the moment, what we're seeing in a lot of contemporary theatre, is something called verbatim theatre, mm. which, you know, is a powerful way of taking the actual words and the intonation of people and putting them into, onto the stage to truthfully report, uh, record and report events, yeah. ways of doing things. Um, so I, I find that power of of reportage in theatre mm. a really powerful way of, of communicating truth to people mm. and giving people knowledge about things that they weren't aware of. So there's this great piece of verbatim theatre called the Laramie Project which deals with the uh, crucifixion of a homosexual in the, the South of America mm. uh, at the States and, and it presents you know all of the different people from that community and their actual voices through the vehicle of the actor mm on stage to deal with that horrific event. Yeah. And through that, what better way to educate an audience about how that event feels yeah. to socialise us. You're using knowledge, you're using emotion, you're using real words from real people to yeah. combine into such a powerful experience in the moment where you've got those couple hundred people mm. together, breathing at the same time, heartbeats regulated, yeah. completely focused you know you can't take your phone out in the theatre thank heavens you still right. can't um, and and that entire focus is so powerful you're learning you're socialised you are being socialised mm. and you're also delving into empathy mm. you know what's it like to be uh, a person who sees the other in their community and, and what are their voices like and how can you blend light and dark to make a piece of theatre uh, teach us something yeah. And in, in that light, it seems the question itself kind of seems irrelevant. Like the idea, I knew that was going to happen. The idea that some knowledge might be more useful. Like, what are we even talking about useful? Like, it seems beyond useful. Yeah. Um, it, I was, originally, I was thinking about that, the Maslow hierarchy of needs, right? Mm. Where you have like, if you look at that, you've got like, you fundamental needs at the bottom, like we need to eat, we need to sleep, we need to like do all these things just to survive. And so any knowledge that's kind of producing the ability to do those things seems pretty important, foundationally useful. So then kind of working up that, you then have, you know, the, the need to interact with people and relationships, and perhaps the art starts to touch on that, but then you have that like ultimate self-realization at the top. And I usually think that the arts belong somewhere up there. And in some ways, that pyramid, you've also seen Maslow's hierarchy of needs, turn on its head. So in reverse, well, we're actually like about it fundamentally... It was supposed to be a triangle and all that. Yeah, it? yeah, right. Yeah. And I think, I think somehow we haven't gotten out of that thinking of 
you know, those, those fundamental needs are, you know, eat, sleep, survive. Whereas that actually, our need to connect and our need to um, actualize that we associate with the arts in many ways is even perhaps more fundamental. I would say so. And John Dewey wrote a great book about art. Uh, he, he doesn't really talk about theatre, but it's about experience. Mm. And I think that that is the fundamental thing that we need is the experience. Is, is you know, we can be taught something. And, you know, mm. there's studies that say, you know, if you if you listen to someone talk, you take in so much. If you if you read something, you take in so much. But if you if you teach someone something, yeah. you assimilate a lot more knowledge. And it's the same with experience in theatre. Mm. If you go through, as I was saying, Antigone, you know, yeah. if you go through that experience, mm. you learn because it resounds, it, it resonates, yeah. whatever it, it resonates. It resonates. That's what I'm looking for. It resonates in your person, in your yeah. body, and it's personal to you. It's not a textbook. It's not someone telling you something. It's you viscerally seeing something. Yeah. And that could be visual art. It could be theatre. It could be, you know, the knowledge that we learn from, from listening to a piece of Wagner's, like, music. It, yeah. You know, that yeah. emotional connection kind of creates, as a, a theatre theorist called Peter Brook, and he talks about this thing called the acid test. And it kind of, I always come back to this when I talk to students about it, is, is does it burn in you? Is it, is it, you know, there are things that are burnt, experiences mm. that are burnt in my memory. And, you know, I associate them with sounds and smells and all these different things. They're not things I read in a book. They're things that I did or things that I saw mm. uh, or things that I experienced. Yeah. And I think that experience is uh, a way of telling the truth, yeah. a way of sharing knowledge. I mean, because we can only live so long and do so many things. So in many ways, like literature, poetry... Fiction, non-fiction um, of all kinds, and, I mean, really all the arts allow us to live more lives in a way. Yeah, what do you say? Like, we get to do, we get to be, we get to, for that moment, feel what it's like to be that person. Well, and, and that's Hamlet, isn't it? You know, mm. to be or not to be. We learn through that experience, watching that young man go through that experience. We, we live his life. Mm. We decide whether we would kill our uncle. Mm. Uh, we decide how we feel about his girlfriend drowning himself, uh, herself. And, and you know, we, we do. We spend a couple hours in that room, in the dark, mm. thinking whilst doing. And it's a, it's a, it's a very two-way um, experience for, so for people. Looking at media, because within theatre you have, like, perhaps a connection to movies and, and um, like, TV and that kind of there's there's a similar there's a connection yeah. um although the 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 platform is completely different right you have a different set of audience um you have a different set of rules and ways of creating and all that's quite different but there is a root fundamental root that's shared between like theater and yeah. uh entertainment that we think of like on tv or movies so i wonder does it cheapen it because of that or like is that that audience um does it become more useful in a sense, the media that we're, that it's performed through? Um, accessibility is It is does good. change the accessibility. And you can, you know, I watch Succession, I'm like, oh, come on, more, 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 more. <laughs> you know, I, I love that. But does it cheapen it? To, to me, yeah. in my opinion, and I had a student write during the start of the pandemic an extended essay about online theatre versus, you know, Real, Real life, theater. yeah. Um, and, you know, we've just been watching Kinky Boots on a laptop screen because we couldn't get it to connect to that. And the students were, you know, applauding 
oh. like physically appalling at yeah. the end of every song. And I, it was quite a moment. I was like, this is weird. Why are you doing this? Oh. And, you know, you can, you know, it's important. Like, arranging a trip for those students to see Kinky Boots would take months. And, and yeah. this is like, okay, we'll click play. And they had that experience in the room. So something is better than nothing. It's richer in the space. Yeah. Um, and it teaches us more in the space. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I want to talk about, uh, I've talked briefly about verbatim, I want to talk about the, the, the 21st century kind of way that people are creating theatre and how kind of there's now this blend between presentation, lecture, and theatre. Mm. But there's also this immersive theatre that's coming through and companies like Punch Drunk where you have to move around a venue and you interact with people that's, mm-hmm. that's the you know the most um rich experience you know yeah. it's, it's, it's you know, vr almost um and there's another realm i could talk about as well but um what there's a famous playwright and director called katie mitchell and she has dedicated at least one project every year from now until she dies on talking about climate change mm. so she wrote a play with um Duncan Macmillan called 10 billion mm. I think I've got that right um, might need to fact check that but um, and it's literally one scientist or an actor play, speaking the, the lecture of a scientist oh. while there are visuals happening around yeah you know so there's this lovely blend of science and and facts yeah and theatre so mm-hmm. there's clearly a, ve- a way of theatre being a vehicle for telling conventional truths yeah to an audience of people who wouldn't want to sit in a theatre and listen to a, uh, a scientist talk. They yeah. want to listen to an actor talk because yeah. there's empathy, because there's that ability to evoke um, a feeling mm-hmm. in people. You know, you can take the most mundane um, ideas and turn them theatrically to make people you know, turn their yeah. head and listen and, and deepen the experience. And there's a company called Complicity, and I've just looked at this, and we're actually going to do it as a project with the, with the grade H students. Um, it's a, a piece of theatre called Can I Change? And there's one actor who, you know, it, it starts on a, uh, a Zoom call, then it, the walls fall away and you're in a theatre, etc., etc. But what you get is tons and tons of data, and it's presented in such a fantastically visual way they're using like 3d effects and vr and you know all rap and music and dance um to make facts more palatable Mm. um and i think that you know yes that's part of what theater can do and theater can can be a way of packaging um this this data and that's not something I ever saw for theatre. Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, theatre for me, the, the reason I do theatre is for change. It's to change people. Yeah. You know, looking at Kinky Boots, although it's a silly kind of musical, what it's doing is it's looking at a societal issue. And it's looking at the idea of acceptance of people with, of, of different genders, different kind of normatives um, mm. when it comes to um, sexuality and putting them into different contexts. And even though it's like a grossly um, popular, it's massively popular and, and very um, well received, you know, arguably cheap theatre, it's actually at the heart of it. It's dealing with social change. Yeah. And that's what I think theatre can do. It can change people. Yeah. Um, and I think that, you know, maths can. Maths can build a building or, or do whatever it does. But it, 
it, it's the heart of what we do. So important. I guess, like, just going back to our original question is that are some types of knowledge more useful? I, I, I guess I take then others. So it's asking for this comparison. I think it's such a big question because the idea of how knowledge can be useful, as we've seen with theater, can be really beyond what we would initially think of as like survival purpose um, or use. Um, so in some ways, like what I think you're arguing is that perhaps, are you saying no or are you saying yes, that some types of knowledge are more useful than others? Would you say theater is more useful than knowledge in science or are you saying no, actually there is no hierarchy between usefulness? Are some types of knowledge more useful than others? Yes, they are. I've spoken for a long time about how you know, change can happen and we can educate and make people think differently. Um, but I think that it would be myopic of me to say that, that my art, the art form that I work in is the most important because, mm -hmm. as I say, you know, there are eight stories above me that wouldn't be stood there. Are these more important than what I do? Arguably, yes. Mm. However, like I said at the beginning... We hold each other's hand, mm. you know. Um, we, there is there is importance in what I do. Mm. There's importance in what they do. Mm. Um, I just had a thought about the question that we've been asking. It seems like we need to compare between art and science or art and math and so on. But actually, it had a different differentiation was between um, quality of knowledge, like the type being based off of how, um, like, the craft or the quality of the knowledge. You know, you think of, like, really high-level knowledge in science compared to really high-level knowledge in theatre. They seem equivalent to me in terms of how useful they might be. Mm. Both have immeasurable, perhaps, effect on um, the quality of life and, and our existence in the world as humans. Whereas other types of knowledge which are maybe not as factual or accurate or are of lesser quality somehow like lower quality art perhaps maybe like an unskilled arts uh, <laughs> performance it's is not of, as useful perhaps it's as kind a of binary knowledge right yeah it, it, you know the the knowledge that the arts gives doesn't have edges because you keep learning. Even watching a terrible piece of theatre teaches you something about how oh. I can make a good piece of theatre. But, you know, two plus two equals four. That's, that's, they're the edges of it. That's <laughs> knowledge. Um, I guess what I'm kind of advocating for is learning yeah. rather than knowledge. So maybe that's Like a as a different, set thing yeah. too. Yeah. You know, yeah. you, you, you won't ever win theatre. You won't ever be <laughs> the best at theatre. Well, I don't know. <laughs> but you can be, you know, the Nobel Prize winner for, for, for yeah. science. Or you can for literature too, which is an awful... Yeah, awful we have, and, we have lots of awards for yeah. arts as well. Um, yeah, I mean, it is interesting that, isn't it? Um, yeah, I think I would come to a conclusion that, um, yeah, there are some types that are more useful than others, but it really depends on who it's, what it's useful for, who it's useful to... Um, and like the scope of how you're defining those different types. Yeah. yeah. I think the knowledge in the arts is a personal journey that you go on. And the, 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 the journey that I go through is I absorb the knowledge from the piece of theatre. Mm. And then... Do you mean as an actor? As, no, as a director, as a okay, teacher. Okay, as a director, as, yeah. as a teacher, okay. 
Um, I absorb that knowledge that I see from something. You know, I like oh, to yeah. take texts and then get to the, 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 the husk in the middle of what that piece of theatre is about, about society, and then reformat that idea, you know, yeah. and then create pieces of work. And that's a sense, like, you're creating new knowledge by doing that. Yeah, and arguably. And you're sharing that. Yeah, yeah, there was a journey that we went on with the play Babel, which was from the heart of it, was based on a play called Lemons, 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 yeah. Lemons. And the redu- that is the idea of reducing the amount of words that you're allowed to say. Yeah. We took that and then kind of layered on the story of the Tower of Babel, Babel, whichever it is. Uh, and then we, we kind of went from there in that direction. So I took something from a play and then, then that created a seed in me which then went out. Um, and I think that that's what, what good theatre people do, yeah. is they use the knowledge they gain to create new and interesting works. Uh, or to tell truths that weren't known before or introduce perspectives that weren't known before. Yeah. There's a fantastic woman called Patsy Rodenberg who speaks uh, about this idea of presence and circles of attention. Mm. And she says that most of the time we're in kind of, you know, a second circle, which is kind of a a passive kind of circle of attention. You know, we don't pay attention to every, you know, brush stroke or whatever we see. Uh, and there's this kind of idea of being in third circle, which is even further out and, and distance from people. But there's this idea of being present and being in first circle, which is, it takes a lot of meditation, a lot of time, a lot of breath work. And, mm. um, but she speaks so passionately about why she does theatre. And anyone listening to this should watch this. It's called Why I Do Theatre by Patsy Rodenberg. Uh, it's from the Chekhov Studios. And she tells great stories. She's a fantastic storyteller, which is at the heart of what we do as well. Um, but she tells a story about um, a time where she... I'm going to butcher it, but she tells a time about... She was doing a book tour, and there was a guy who was hanging around to, to get a signature at the end, and he looked shifty, he looked uncomfortable. And he, eventually she talks to him, and he comes up to her and says, oh, I went to the theatre once, didn't like it. It's about, um, about this, this girl who, who got, who, whose daughter got raped and murdered. And uh, you know, Pat, Patsy's like, okay, she's listening, she's present with him, she's been in first circle, she's paying attention to him. And so I didn't like it. The, the girl made this noise and it was horrible and it made us feel uncomfortable. And then she says his energy shifts, something shifts in his energy. And he says, um, one night, a policeman came and knocked on my door and told me that my daughter had been raped and murdered and I made that noise. Mm. And Patsy Rodenberg says, I thank whoever that actress was. She must have been feeling them hate her every night, but she told them the truth. Mm. She found that truth. It's just that this guy wasn't experienced enough to know what that truth was. Mm. And that's just such a powerful... You, know, you talk about knowledge, talk about truth. Yes, it's not a binary fact. It's a journey we go on, and it's it's a, it's a gathering, mm. um, and that's why that's why I do this like to to instigate yeah. change in people, to make people think about perspectives yeah. other than themselves. And it's like no telling what long term effect that had on that individual. I mean, mm. at that moment, he might have been upset, but later down his life, he might have been grateful or could look back with a new appreciation or maybe forgot it to- entirely, but uh, entirely those are the, those yeah. are the, that's the possibility but isn't that's it? the you create the web and the connections are drawn yeah. between the people and that's that idea of catharsis you know we've seen it it happened it made us feel something yeah and then eventually we we come back to it and we yeah. draw from it when we've 
got a relevant experience for it. Yeah. Which is what knowledge is, right? Yeah. Yeah. We, we apply our knowledge at the right time in the right way. Beautiful. Well, I think that's a good stopping point. Thank you so much for your time today. Really, really enjoyed our conversation. Yeah. I've, got, I've got a jillion little notes here. I've got to look up. You've dropped so many different goodies. Um, <laughs> I'll have to get a list from you at the end. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'll right. put them in the show notes, whatever. All right. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much, Adam. Fabulous. Thank you very much.